Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to HealthWise 360 with Christy Cordingly. Enjoy. So hello and welcome to this episode of HealthWise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. And I'm your show host, Christy Cordingly, and you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a hundred other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcast. And today I'm really excited to be interviewing Virgie Bright Ellington. She's a medical doctor who is an internal medicine physician and medical billing expert. A dedicated patient advocate, she earned her degree at the University of Michigan Medical School and trained at the Cambridge Hospital of Harvard Medical School. After practicing more than 20 years in primary care and psychiatric settings, and as a health insurance executive, Dr. Virgie helps patients maximize billing accuracy and avoid financial devastation. So welcome to the show, Virgie. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. I imagine in the U.S. this is a very... This is a U.S. show, but I do live in Canada, and I imagine this is a very on-point topic, especially right now as we've gotten through a pandemic and you know long COVID and all these other issues that are coming up and people are needing care, but can they afford to? They may have lost mm-hmm. their jobs due to the pandemic and that kind of thing. So what are the three steps to get rid of medical debt or hospital bills without going into debt? What are some of the things that you teach? Yeah, without putting on credit, without putting them on credit cards and taking out loans, you know, wiping out your savings. Yeah, taking out home equity loans, which means your house is on the line. Yeah, that's what most people end up doing because the unfortunately, the United States is the only industrialized country where you have to have medical financial literacy. And the frankly, the system, and I hate to sound conspiratorial, but it's not in our interest. It's not in their interest for us, the American patient or folks living in the United States who have to interact with the healthcare system in the United States uh, to, to know. And so, yeah, we're kept in the dark. And I'd say 99.9% of us don't know that there are three steps, very simple, basic steps to becoming medically financially literate. And you don't have to know like fancy medical terms and you don't have to spend like a lot of tons and tons of hours on the phone time that you don't have. Yeah. And and three steps. And so the first step is basically finding out what the real bill is, what you're really getting charged for. And so I say you get a real nine times out of time, you get nine times out of 10, you get something in the mail that is a statement. Mm-hmm. Now they will say, it might say bill on there. They will give you the impression that it's a bill and they'll say, this is a bill maybe, but I'm here to tell you in step one, it is not a bill unless it has something called CPT codes somewhere on the bill. So usually across the top, it'll say CPT codes or CPT slash HICSPICS uh, HCPCS codes, HICSPICS is a kind of a subset of CPT codes. It'll say something like um, on the left, as you're going across the date of service, and then the a short description maybe, or maybe even not, they'll just have the CPT code and then what they're charging for it. Now, nine times out of 10, that is not there. Oh. CPT codes, yeah. Unfortunately, that's, we'll, we'll probably get to that. There's a reason why patients in the United States aren't sent a real bill. They're not sent something with CPT codes. 
So CPT codes are to medical services what barcodes are to products in a store. So every product has a unique barcode in a store, just like in the United States. And even in Canada, they actually use similar, the same system basically, but in terms of identifying medical services, each medical service, lab test, operation, hospital visit, doctor visit, you know, outpatient doctor visit, emergency room visit, they all have their own unique type of, their own unique CPT code. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't say that a CPT code somewhere on this statement, then you're going to call the billing department. There's usually a number, I call it in the upper right-hand corner. Usually that's what I call the wish number. That's the number that they say often nine times out of 10 that you owe. They'll say, pay this patient responsibility or patient due. And underneath they'll say, have questions, call our billing department or patient accounts department. I call it a wishing number, a wish number. They're wishing and hoping and praying you'll fall for it and think that that's the real bill, the real amount that you owe. So if you get a statement, something in the mail that says, this is a bill for medical services that you received, but when you're looking at it, there's no, there's nothing that says CPT cross, you're going to call that number. Step one is to call that number and ask for a real bill. So you'll say something, quote, like, I need something, quote, I need something with CPT codes, unquote. And you're going to simply wait for them to send that to you because what you got was not a real bill. And so I, I touched on this a little bit at, uh, early at the top of this conversation about step one is that it's not a real bill because if the insurance companies, the health, the federal insurance companies, health insurance companies, Medicare, state insurance companies, Medicaid, the commercial, the private health in, uh, insurance companies, if they don't pay anything that doesn't have a CPT code on it, well, why should you? Yeah. There's a reason why they send it because, because they know it works, frankly, because most of us don't know that that's not a real bill. Okay. So that's step one. Wait, you're going to call that number and wait for a real bill with CPT codes. Step two, once you get the statement or a real bill with CPT codes, you're going to take each of those codes and Google them or look them up to see two things. Just like when you do a bar scanner with a product in a in a store, up will pop two things. When you scan the CPT code, meaning plug it in and do some search in Google, up will eventually pop up a brief description of the item, in this case, the medical service, and the price that the, in, in the case of a store, the retailer is charging for that service or for that item. In medicals, with medical services, what will pop up is you're going to look for two things. You're going to Google that CPT code in a description to make sure it sounds like the care that you received, you know, that it's not something that you didn't receive. Oh my gosh, I, I never got an operation on my arm. They just gave me a sling when I broke my arm, you know, in the emergency room. But the other thing is you're going to Google and look for what Medicare pays for that CPT code. Mm. Because that's what's considered a fair retail price, the lowest fair retail price. Now, there are some folks that are doing this work and they say, well, okay, two times Medicare because the provide about large hospital systems and large providers will say, well, if we all paid just, if everybody just paid Medicare, we wouldn't be able to stay in business. 
I disagree with that. That's another conversation for another day. But some people say, okay, I'll pay two times Medicare. I say, hey, if it's good enough for the federal government, it's good enough for me. Start at Medicare rates. So that's step two. Step three is once you total up all of the CPT codes and what Medicare pays for the, the fair price and only the services that you know you receive, making sure there's no errors like double billing or, again, things that services you did not receive, you're going to call back the number that you called at the beginning of the, the step in step one, at the beginning of your process. And you're going to say, you know what, you sent me, for example, a bill for $10,000 for this emergency surgery I had to have. But in my research, in my case, I'm willing and able to pay $3,000. And that's from your total your research in step two, totaling up what a fair retail price is, Medicare mm. price. And you're going to say, I am able and willing to pay $3,000. Who can I speak with? Who can help me make an interest-free payment plan that I can afford? Now, you're yes. going to say, not that I can afford. You're going to say, who, quote, who can help me? Who can I speak with? Who can help me with creating a payment plan, unquote? Now, in your mind, you know the number, the payment plan you're going to be able to come up with, meaning the monthly number you're going to be able to come up with. Mm -hmm. And you know what? This was an emergency surgery, let's say. You know, none of us plan on getting sick, right? None of us plan on getting injured or having an accident, right? So you're like, oh my gosh, this couldn't come at a worse time. I lost my job. I'm still trying to pull together the pieces and recuperate from the time I you know, I was out of work for a year during COVID, during yes. the pandemic, still trying to piece things together. I can only afford, no matter how I squeeze it, $50 a month out of my budget. So you're going to tell them in step three, okay, who can I speak with? Who can help me make a payment plan? And when you find that person, say, okay, this is what I can make uh, or pay. I can make a payment of $50 a month until it's paid off. Now you're going to get some pushback. They're going to say, well, you know, if you only pay $50 a month on this $3,000 bill. It's going to take us forever, like years to get paid. Yeah. And, <laughs> and my point is eventually, please stick to your guns, advocate for yourself because you're number one, you're being proactive. You're reaching out to them. They don't have to chase you with the possibility of having to sell that debt, that bill to a debt collection service for pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So that's why eventually they're going to accept it because you're saying, this is what I can do. So those are the three steps to making sure that you don't overpay for medical care and services that you receive in the United States and protect your financial future. That's amazing. I, <laughs> It's sort of like the financial industry or even say the automotive industry where the industry can sort of take advantage of the everyday person's language or vocabulary when it comes to those specific fields, right? So I would imagine it'd be similar to walking to a bank and you don't know anything about stocks or investments and they would tell you stuff and just hope that you don't really understand so they can just continue on with what they feel is best. But if they are prepared and you provide people the language, then at least they, they don't even just know how, what questions to ask. You're all, you're also telling them what they should be expecting to hear back, what the response should be. So I think that's really great. So, so you mentioned, yeah, that's a great point. I have to mm -hmm. say, because I, I talk about that a lot. 
you know, people think that they have to understand fancy medical words or terminology or understand how the human body works in order to be able to not get taken advantage of or overpay or get overcharged with their medical bills. Not true. And I tell, I use the analogy, you know, if you've ever had to take your car into a car doctor, right, to the mechanic, I don't understand fancy car auto language. You know, I don't know what a carburetor does. I know it's important, you know, but (laughs) yeah. But I, I I don't know what it is, but I know how much I can afford to pay what's in my budget when they say, hey, look, you need your carburetor replaced, you need a new carburetor, and these are your options. We can get a refurbished one from a junkyard, or we can get a brand new one from the dealership, which everybody knows that's the most expensive way to pay for something for a car, right? Uh, so I say, you know what, if you're able to figure out how to pay for services that you need from a car doctor, you can figure out how to pay for services you need from medical services, from a human doctor services. Yes, Jeff, that's a really great point. So you mentioned a few of the common things people can look for on the bills. Are there any other mistakes on the medical bills themselves that you might have people look out for? Well, that's a great question, Chrissy. So the (laughs) big one that ends up happening, unfortunately, is kind of under a category this is like a an industry term, but it is what it is. It's called, an, and it makes sense. It is what it is. It's called upcoding. So I, I gave briefly, I referred to it like you go into an emergency room and you think you broke your arm and yeah, you have an arm fracture and you get the bill and the CPT code, when you end up getting the real bill, the CPT code says that you had a quote unquote orthopedic intervention. Oh. You know, that, that's not exactly the description of a CPT code for a surgery that you would get for a broken uh, broken humerus, let's say, a broken arm, but close enough, roughly. And you're going to be like, wait, um, they gave me a, a sling and they told me to make an appointment to follow up with the orthopedic surgeon near my house, near my home. I, I didn't get anything but a sling. So... That's what you're going to look out for. Make sure that you're not getting double billed for things. You're not billed twice for the same thing. And you're not getting up code or, or charged for services that you didn't quite receive. So that's number one. The other big thing, Chrissy, I always like to talk about is what's called balanced billing. If you have insurance, the United States private insurance, they're not allowed to do this for public insurance, state or federal insurance, meaning Medicaid or Medicare. uh, Medicare. If you have private insurance and you go to an in-network provider for care, let's say that, you know, after you broke your arm, you're going, you were sent to physical therapy. So you go to the physical therapist and you check to make sure that these are, this is a physical therapist that takes your insurance, meaning they're in-network. That means they've contracted, the provider has contracted with your insurance company to say, hey, in exchange for all the millions of members you have, big giant insurance company, we will take whatever you pay for your members, for each of our services, no matter what we charge, we'll take that as payment in full. You know, not counting deductibles and that kind of thing. And so balance billing is when you go and you say, okay, you know, physical therapy group, awesome. I get my physical therapy done every week for a few weeks and I get this bill and wait, they're saying that I owe this, but my insurance paid, let's say, 
the, I'm just making the math simple. Let's say that the, in this case, the physical therapist charges $100 for each of their visits and your insurance only pays $10 for that service. So that's it. Balance billing is when they, the provider who's in network sends you a bill for the balance. They're saying, oh, this is what your insurance paid. They only pay $10, but we charge $100. So you owe us $90 times how many times, how many weeks you came to see us. That's balanced billing. Basically, it's, it's essentially contract fraud, but no one knows about it. No one's going to come after them because the patient doesn't usually know about balanced billing. The insurance companies know about it and they find out about it. They'll chastise. Don't you do that? That's not right to the provider, but it's up to the aggrieved party, the patient, to go after them legally. Oh. So let's say you figure out, you call them up and you say, wait a minute, you're in network and I call my insurance to make sure you're in network. You're This is a balance bill. They're like, oh, oh my goodness, just our, our, our mistake. That was a mistake. Just disregard that bill. You'll hear that all the time. Wow. So it never gets to the point of exactly of the patient going after a provider for balance billing. And that's why you don't hear about it. So I would say those are the two big things you want to look out for mistakes on your medical bills. Yeah, I, it's amazing to me because I don't know, I again, I, my own personal thoughts about public care, right, and services and the idea of that services for humans can be for-profit businesses. It just, it seems like such a another oxymoron. Yeah. It's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother show for sure. It's a whole nother yeah. show. <laughs> so I'm not going to get talking about it, Chrissy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Cause I find it fascinating. Um, and we are starting to see some privatization in Canada as well. So it is very, very current, even for Canadians that might be listening. Um, so let's go back to America. So what should you do if your insurance or Medicare doesn't cover any medical costs? So if you have insurance and it doesn't cover the medical costs that you were provided and you get this bill and you're, you get a, what's called an EOB, explanation of benefits from your insurance company. And they'll say, well, no, we didn't pay this. Your, your provider sent us a bill for $100 for this service, just to keep the math simple, but we don't cover this particular service. What you can decide is, okay, if it's something that your doctor recommended, you can actually go back to your doctor because it's in their interest for to get paid, right? To help you get paid and go to their billing office, call their billing office or the hospital patient accounts office and say, hey, my insurance said they're not paying for this, but the doctor said I really need to have it. The doctors actually, their staff will help you appeal that decision. What you're going to do is appeal the insurance company Ooh. denial. And there's more than one stage of appeal, right? Like insurance, there's yes. usually multiple stages. Like there's initial yeah. appeal and then you, I think it's up to exactly. three. Exactly. So yeah. there's, there's a few. So the, because the providers billing offices, they do this all the time. They will help you write the appeal. Mm -hmm. However, you want to learn the steps. So yes, usually the first step is what's called a provider appeal in general. You get a couple of steps for that. And then sometimes or often, if the provider appeal is denied again and again, 
you get what's called a member appeal, where the member gets, the patient gets to write their perspective. And what you're going to do is make sure you have all that information that you submitted in your prior appeals attached to that member appeal. And it starts to get thick, a lot of information, but you got to attach it and say, and reference that. Then yeah. let's say that they say, you know what? No, we're still not paying it. There's something called the United States called external review organizations mm. and or independent external review or independent review organizations. And they're the ones who are independent of the insurance company and the insurance company has to abide by their decision. So there are, I actually have templates that are on the site crushmedicaldebt.com that should be there. I think we put that up there last week. Oh, nice. And it's it's under, I think we have that under free resources that we just started last week because people, unfortunately, if you do the three steps, usually you do, I'd say seven to eight times out of 10, you don't have to get that far really to have to write a letter or do write an appeal. But just in case you do, the appeal templates or how to appeal commercial insurance and Medicare uh, Medicare insurance should be on the site uh, by the time I think we I think this episode is aired. That's amazing. Thank you. Can I ask just off the cuff, what made you go from being a practicing physician to this kind of service where you're actually helping more of the public uh choose the right providers and get the care that they need and not go bankrupt or lose their homes for, for medical costs. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting story. So uh, frankly, you know, I've been an internal medicine physician, board certified internal medicine physician for years, decades. And then I was a health insurance executive for a very large commercial company, insurance, health insurance company. And it gave me a 360 degree view of the U.S. medical system in terms of the finances of it and, and the fi- U.S. healthcare financial system, or so I thought, <laughs> until I became a patient and found out that my hospital roommate had been tricked into paying a hospital bill that she did not owe. And when this roommate was telling me the story and I realized what was going on and what had happened to her, I swear, Chrissy, the curtain dropped. I saw red. I was enraged because I knew she had been tricked. And so she had a very modest income. She was a mom not working outside the home because she had very young kids who weren't in school yet. And her husband worked at for a 24 hour diner. So very modest income. And I knew instantly that she had been tricked into putting her family into debt for the rest of their lives. So I thought, you know what, Virgie, don't get mad. Don't get angry. Get to getting. Mm -hmm. Do something. And that's really literally how Crush Medical Debt was born. That's amazing. I really love that story. And I think that's really important for people to know. So how can these people... Are there additional ways that they can protect themselves from unexpected medical costs, maybe from when they start the need for medical care, or is it always after the fact? Let's be honest. Let's just, this is life. None of us, there are many people who have families and they don't have life insurance. Like what's, what's guaranteed, right? Death and taxes. There are many people who really don't think that they're going to die anytime. It just, they don't think life happens, right? None of us are promised tomorrow, but some people think that 
there are many people who think denial is just a river in Egypt, right? (laughs) (laughs) So they're going to think the same thing about medical care and having to put aside money for medical bills. More important, they're not going to think they need health insurance. And so I tell people the number one mistake that people in their 20s and 30s can make in terms of potentially devastating their financial future is not having health insurance. It's very, very expensive. And I tell people, if you don't have it through an employer, get it through the federal marketplace or what's called Obamacare. And people say that's prohibitively expensive. And so I I totally understand. At least get some kind of, you're under, by the way, if you're under the age of 29, the Federal marketplace offers catastrophic health insurance policies. So like if you, uh, God forbid, get hit by a car or have a have to have a major operation or something, you get like a payout to help cover the bills and the, the medical costs and other bills. Once you hit 29, that's not something that's offered through the the medical uh, marketplace, a federal marketplace or Obamacare. So I tell people, you know, look for these they're kind of like specialty insurance policies that pay out in specific instances. Some are like, some will pay out for like specific cancer diagnoses, but just look for something catastrophic, like hospitalization are common ones. And another one is just is called catastrophic. So hospitalization, catastrophic accident, if you have to be hospitalized with serious injury, or yeah, there's some that if you have a medical uh, history, family history, rather, of malignancies, cancer diagnoses, there are some insurance companies that will take the risk of saying, okay, we'll pay out if you know, a certain lump sum of money if you happen to get diagnosed with a cancer or a malignancy of some sort. Yes. Yes. And I, yeah, I mean, health, yeah, you're not guaranteed anything. So it's it's really promise tomorrow. Yeah, but if you're going to pay, I would rather pay little chunks up front. That's for sure. But it's sometimes hard to see not that up front. Yeah. That's the oh problem. no, you don't think you're going to need it, right? They're yeah. huge. They're like they're they're more than a mortgage. Really, for many of us, yeah, more oh, than a mortgage. Goodness. And so we can't. We feel like we can't afford the the premiums for health insurance. Well, yeah, if you think the premiums are expensive, try <laughs> try getting sick or injured or having an accident or being diagnosed with a serious illness. Mm-hmm. That's really expensive without any kind of coverage or edge off of the, the total cost. That's amazing. I, I didn't realize how expensive it was. That's for sure. Cause that we can pay for some private insurance here for additional things above, you know, our basic Medicare. Um, but it's not expensive. If we're paying through benefits program, it might be $75 a month, right? And yeah. you, then you can go to the chiropractor and the physiotherapist and all those things. So for single people, the lowest rates tend to be about seven to $800 a month in that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a car yeah, payment. And, yeah. That's your mortgage. Yeah. And, and exactly. If you have more than one person on it, then it easily goes to like a thousand to 2000. So I'd say between 700 and a thousand for individuals, if you have a family or even additional person on your insurance, that goes, that premium goes up to like a a thousand, 2000 is not unusual between 1500 and 2000. Yeah. Wow. This is the problem. So people gamble and they're saying, you know what, I'm just going to take my chances. And yes, you're a gambler. Yeah. If you're a gambler, okay. You know, you're, you're playing with the odds and 
that's why the system has to change. Mm-hmm. The system has to change. Absolutely. So how did the medical debt become America's number one cause of bankruptcy? Excellent. Is this part of that? Yes, I, I, I was just going to yeah. like, you know what, let me just not <laughs> go on a rant here. Let me get off my soapbox <laughs> and, and not go on a rant on poor Chrissy. Uh, <laughs> but that's exactly because this is why things have to change because Medical bills is the number one cause of debt and bankruptcy in the United States, period. And that's because if the average person in the United States can't afford, there's a lot of studies that show this, can't afford to spend $500 in emergency. And even if you have awesome insurance, there are deductibles, meaning everybody's underinsured, even if you have awesome insurance. Everybody is underinsured until you meet your annual du- du- uh, deductible, which is, I, I saw something last week. Now the annual deductible is, on average is now up to $1,400. So if the average person has or does not can even do $400 and the deductible, if God forbid something happens, the insurance doesn't kick in. They're like, oh yeah, that's on you, bro. You know, we can't help you. That's your deductible is $1,400. You haven't made that. You haven't spent that much in services then you're on the hook for that. So there you go. Boom, right away. One accident, one injury, one visit, and you're in debt. That's incredible. That's so incredible. And I, I think it's amazing what you're doing to help people sharing the information, being such a resource for people. I think it's incredible. So where else can people find you and what can they expect when they look for you? So you can go to crushmedicaldebt.com and there's free resources there. There's a checklist to remind you of the three steps of the only one right way to pay a medical bill. And that's probably the, the best way to find me. You can also find me on LinkedIn, dr.virgie. I have to remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember that stuff. But yeah, find me on LinkedIn under Dr. Virgie Bright Ellington. And that's probably the fastest way to find me. Yes. And you also do a show about wellness as well, right? And oh my debt. gosh, how can I forget every yeah. week? <laughs> you know, <let's... laughs> yes, you can find me on Voice America on the Health and Wellness Channel, the show nice. every week, every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific is health, wellness and medical bills to just talk about these issues. Exactly. Perfect. So uh, before we uh, wrap up, is there anything else you'd like people to know if there's someone out there maybe struggling with medical debt already, or, you know, they're maybe they're pregnant and know that there's going to be some costs coming up? What are what, what would you like to leave them with to help them feel better? Gosh, that's a perfect question, Chrissy. It's a beautiful question. Thank you for bringing that up. What I tell people at the end of the day, just because you cannot afford medical bills, it is not your fault and it is nothing to be ashamed of. It is not your fault that you can't afford to pay your medical bills. And if you're in a situation where you've gotten, you're pregnant and you don't have insurance, okay, or you have something coming up or a a major diagnosis or surgery that you had to deal with, if it comes down to it and you just can't, you do all the three steps and you can't afford the bills, even with a payment plan, you're struggling, there is a free resource that is outstanding. It's called the Patient Advocacy Foundation. Hmm. And it's patientadvocate.org. Go to their site. And essentially, they are professional patient advocates. And they can tell you the steps and will help you go, help you with a lot, actually, up to not including 
going to court with you if you're brought if you're sued unfortunately yeah. by a provider of medical services so or the debt collector that bought the debt from a provider so there's hope you're not alone you're never alone go to crushmedicaldebt.com look up the go to the checklist of the reminder of the three steps for free there's free resources there and I talk about patient advocate foundation and I think again the website for that is patientadvocate.org but go to crushmedicaldebt.com and you can find it there I have it under the resources that's perfect thank you so much Dr. Virgie for sharing your heart and being such an inspiration and helping so many people oh gosh <laughs> thanks for having me Chrissy Thanks for listening to this episode of HealthWise 360 here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe, and don't forget to tell your friends.